gorgeous, beautiful friends. Welcome back to Too Smart for This, a podcast for the smart and superficial girls everywhere. It's a new month. It's October. It's the first Monday of a new month. So you already know I'm feeling all the productive vibes. And like, it's also the first Monday of a new quarter. And this is the final quarter of the year. And so I personally, I talked about this in the last few episodes, but my goals have evolved so much over this year. And I really want Q4 to be a moment where everything I've learned sort of materializes into something. And this week's guest really, really dove into the importance of evolving and allowing yourself to evolve and how to continue to remind yourself how to stand up for yourself and your goals consistently over time. And I think that this episode will really inspire you if you are looking to add that into your life, especially this quarter slash month slash week, etc. So this week we have on Balance Less. Less is the host and founder of Balanced Black Girl, the podcast and the entire community that is dedicated to increasing wellness and fostering wellness conversations in the black community. Less has done such an incredible job and is one of my personal like biggest inspirations when it comes to being a content creator. She also has a full-time job, which always makes me feel better when I meet content creators who also have full-time jobs. And her mission, she's really done such a great job in accomplishing the mission of creating content that's very accessible about wellness for a group that is so underserved in the wellness market. So I talked to her about her concept of balance. Obviously, it's in her name. So when we're thinking about balance, I wanted to talk to the expert herself for the beginning of this month's series on balance. We talked about everything from how to implement a new habit to how to create a great night routine that really helps foster your own wellness. We even got into a little bit of finances at the end and she shared multiple tangible takeaways and actual links that you all can use to implement into your own life. So if you're interested in that, just check the show notes. Thank you to Les for coming on and let's get into the episode. Hi, how are you? I'm so happy to have you back on the show. I think it's been almost a year now since you were on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it has been. Thank you for having me back. Of course. And um, it's. I feel like we recorded for your show a few weeks ago too, so I'm just like happy to chat again. Oh, absolutely. I know. We're going to have a good little pod swap this time. I know, right? So fun. So um, as I mentioned to you, the theme for this month of Too Smart for This is balance. And you're actually a big inspiration for me podcast-wise. And and the use of series in your show just like really helped ground me, especially in January when you did the like reframing the reset series. I loved that like so much. And so I want to talk to you about balance because obviously you and I have – become like internet friends and I've seen you talk about how the podcast ended up burning you out a little bit and you had to take kind of a break from it and I just want to hear from you your concept of balance who you are why you feel like it's possible or isn't especially since it's part of your brand name but I do like to start with rapid fire questions see I knew this would happen where I would just get like into it too much with you let's start with rapid fire and then we'll jump into balance okay what are your big three? An astrology slash favorite personality test, but I think you know your astrology. Oh yeah, I'm big on my astrology. Uh, as I proceed to forget, Leo, Leo Sun, <laughs> Taurus Moon, Libra Rising. Love to see it. Um, I knew the Leo part because 
you're shining all the time. <laughs> Thank you. The hair, the big hair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the giveaway. Uh, exactly. Um, what is your hometown and where do you live now? Hometown is Seattle. <laughs> what a place. And then I currently live in Los Angeles. Lovely. I lo- I'm missing sunny LA. It's supposed to storm because of the hurricane all weekend. Oh, so yeah. I will be indoors the entire time. You'll get more fall vibes though. Oh, yeah. So you can like be cozy. Exactly. Like I'm going to make – like I told you the soup I'm going to make tonight. Like mm-hmm. that's so fall. I'm so excited. Okay. What is one thing about yourself or your personality that makes you feel really smart? I think my curiosity, which when I was younger was probably more so referred to as nosiness, but I I do just have a genuine curiosity about things and people and how things work. And I think that leads me to ask really thoughtful questions and to not move through the world as if I know everything. Because I think the older I get, the more I realize that getting older and getting wiser is about realizing how much you don't know as opposed to trying to prove how much you do know. That is a word and so true because I was a similar child, very nosy. Like I wanted to know what's going on. And I feel like there's so much more fun in admitting you don't know and you're trying to figure it out than pretending you have all the answers. Uh, It's definitely like a age thing too. For sure. For sure. And I think like there's something about that magical – I know – I mean I'm definitely a bit older than you. You're not there yet, but you're getting close. Like that magical – like when you turn 25 and that frontal lobe really kicks in, it is – you literally physically feel the difference. You're like, oh, my brain is actually working now. And when you get to that point and you – just it's like a whole new world unlocks. (laughs) Okay. Then good question for you is if – Pre-25, what are things you would you wish you like not knew but like prepared for like when you make that transition? Because something I always say to myself is, oh, I'm not 25 yet. So the habits I build now will be like lifelong habits, hopefully. I don't know if that's science at all. I just came up with it. But like um, what are some things like pre-25 you would have done or wanted to know? I think to an extent, you know, the habits that you establish in early adulthood don't have to be forever. But you can establish good habits that can serve you. I mean, I started getting into wellness uh, and mindfulness in my early 20s, and I'm really grateful for that because I almost don't know how to operate otherwise as an adult. I definitely was not like the healthiest teenager or in college by any means. My health was horrible in college. But once I reached that point where I was about 20, 21 and became interested in wellness, I've been able to maintain it because I established those habits then. However, if I could tell my 22-year-old self something, I would say how life is right now is not how life is going to be forever. And at that period in your life, you do feel like what's happening then is what's going to happen forever. Like the job that you're in, the circumstances that you're in, the people you're around, you feel like that's going to be the rest of your life. And it is not. And I think if I could have realized that that was the case, I probably could have taken a breath and maybe made some better decisions. But I mean, also that's the time in your life to make bad decisions. So, you know, I don't regret it, but. For sure. And I think that's like one of the biggest or most prominent lessons in my life from the past few years of like post-grad and like living on my own, having to make my own decisions is I always felt like my decisions were permanent and that's why I assigned so much weight to them. 
And now that I've recognized that like anything I do, like I can figure it out long term. And if I don't like it, I don't have to do it forever or my mind can change. It's just like I feel like a new portal of opportunity opens because you're like, like with the moving to LA, it's like if I, you can always get out of a lease. You can always figure something out. So if you don't like it, it doesn't matter, you know, like you, you'll figure it out. And so taking away that permanence from small decision decisions is like a mental game changer. I'm still not hundred percent there yet though. Cause I got to remind myself like 25 day, times a day. <laughs> totally. And I still work on that too. I, I don't know if anybody is ever permanently there, but the more you just start doing different things and realizing that we have a lot of agency, of course, there are circumstances that are hard and things that we overcome and, and systems that are not always working in our favor, but we have so much agency to create change if we're open to it. And so I think learning how to not fear change is one of the best things you can do for yourself. Ooh. I love that. Look at you. Look at us deviating from this already. Okay. I will just jump into what is your most important self-care practice? My most important self-care practice, I would say movement. I mean, movement is what started it all for me. And movement can be everything from exercise to walking to yoga to the gym to whatever. It's, It's getting up and it's moving my body in some way every day. That was the first habit that I implemented when I started my wellness journey way, way many years ago. And it's it's the constant. It's I have to do it. Absolutely. And I just noticed how important it is for me as well where – because today was supposed to be like a big creative day working on like the podcast and stuff like that. And then in the middle of the day, I was like, I'm not clear at all. Like what's going on? And then I realized I had not gone on my morning walk. And I was like, oh my God, like this is why, like it's just like there's too much stagnant energy in my body. And so sure enough, like the movement will change it. But it's always annoying because growing up you think, um, oh, like those people are just like selling something or whatever, like movement's never that deep, but it's that deep by all means. It is. Oh, and it's annoying. I want to be like boo, tomato, tomato at myself because it's annoying but it's true. And that's that makes it even more annoying. <laughs> it's like once you do it and you realize it's true. Like when I work out and I do like weights for real and then I like – and like that always releases so much like dopamine or whatever. And it's just so annoying because I don't want to go lift weights. Like come on. And then – but I end up doing it. Lifting weights is the ultimate like brain rewiring life hack. It teaches you that you can do hard things and it makes other things in your life not feel as hard. And again, it's like, damn, I don't want to be in the weight room with these dudes doing this shit. But you can't – the mental and physical benefits, you can't beat it. You cannot. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, Okay. So to jump into the theme of this, and we've sort of already touched on this, but I want to talk about the concept of balance and whether or not it's possible for us, how to implement it. And I feel like you wrote the book on this at this point, which if you haven't written a book, 
I'd love to see you get a book deal because we we are going to need that. But I would love to hear your perspective on like the criticism of the concept of balance because I think there's been so many people who say like it's not possible. You're pretend like life will never really be balanced, etc. But a lot of people are just looking for that sense of peace, and I think your show does a great job of helping people create that. So I'm curious for you, what are your initial like thoughts on the matter? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think people have a lot of smoke for the word balance, and I understand why. I think when people feel like the term balance doesn't resonate with them, I think what doesn't resonate with them is the idea of equilibrium. They're talking about the version of balance that I think capitalism sells us on, that we are expected to go 100% at all things and be perfect at all things and have everything be at equilibrium all the time. And that's not the case. That's It's not humanly possible for anybody. There's always going to be something in life. When you're doing well at work, things are probably happening at home. If you're doing well at home, you're probably not being a stellar person at work. It is what it is. We've all experienced that. But when I think of balance, I more so think about like moving through life walking on a balance beam. And I'm like, okay, what can I do to catch myself so I don't fall off this beam or fall off this tightrope? What am I doing to catch myself before I fall? How am I maintaining that kind of balance? And reframing it that way where I'm thinking more about self-preservation. How can I make the main thing the main thing and let everything else be kind of in a supporting role or a supporting character of that? is kind of my idea of balance. So there will be seasons where I'm focusing really heavily on the podcast and I'm not super focused on maybe social media or starting a bunch of new projects. And because I put those things on the back burner and I'm focusing on the main thing, that is my balance. And then I'll move into another season where I'm focusing on something else and maybe the podcast goes on hiatus or I publish a bunch of things that I pre-recorded and that is balance. It doesn't mean I'm going 100% in every area. I I feel like that is – I've never heard of it in that, I guess, way about self-preservation because a big element of balance, I think, is creating a life where like you know yourself so well that you can catch yourself or you can have systems in place to where like something small is like you want to cook at home but – you have no idea like what you're going to eat. So you have a frozen meal just in case, like, because your groceries go bad. Like that's like a way of catching yourself so you can still stick to your goals. And I think that that also sums it up very well, like that life happens in seasons. And I mean, the nature happens in seasons. Like why would we not expect that from ourselves too? Like that's just the, the way of the world, you know? I mean, there's different times for different things. So when you had to make the decision to like, Step back from your podcast. How are you self-preserving in that moment? Yeah. I mean, a great example of this was just earlier this year. I actually took the summer off from releasing new episodes of the podcast, largely because with podcasting, I mean, you know, there's a lot that goes behind the scenes. So for every maybe one hour conversation that someone listens to, there's probably six to eight hours of work behind that between ideating what it's going to be about and booking a guest and editing and promoting and all of these things. And I was like, yeah, I just don't really have the space for that this summer. I want to travel. I want to see my family. I want to see my friends. I I want to prioritize this other area of my life. Balance for me means taking care of my relationships and the social aspects. So that means the podcast is going to have to scale back. And so I ended up just re-releasing a bunch of old episodes just to keep the content going through the summer. And what was really interesting was that I actually had some of the high 
highest download numbers I've ever had of the podcast, re-airing old episodes that I didn't promote at all. They just went up. I didn't talk about it, didn't post about it, didn't really do anything, but the content reached who it needed to reach. And I was able to take that time to take care of myself in a way that I saw fit. I'm obsessed with that. Like with uh, things not having to be hard. And like, I think that's a good example of like, okay, you took a step back, but that didn't mean that your life like crumbled. It meant that like, while you were taking care of yourself, like the universe taking care of you and like your the years and moments and hours that you'd put in to the podcast could stand on its own. And I think sometimes that's like something we forget is that like you've prepared yourself up until the moment and it's like important to trust yourself a little bit more. Yeah, totally. And even if you scale back and and something like a metric does go down, that's fine. It can always come back up. I mean, it's, you know, whether you are a content creator or someone in like a corporate space, I think we tend to like live and die by these metrics. And I have to remind myself, none of this is real. Whether it is a metric at work, it's not real. It's a number that some executive made up that they want to see. And if we don't reach it, life goes on. Goals for my podcast. It's a number that I made up. And if I don't reach it this month, that's fine. But what is a constant in my life? My health, my relationships, my peace of mind. And so those are the things that I felt I needed to prioritize in that moment and not worry about the made up numbers. But sometimes it is also nice when the made up numbers be looking be looking good too. You know, I won't lie. <laughs> It is nice. It's always like a moment. You're like you're always a fan, 100%. But it's at the end of the day, it's not reality. I think that's always like a fun realization. Like, oh, I came up with that, <laughs> you know? So I have a question for you though on your like journey of wellness, however long it's been, where was the biggest like challenge for you to implement balance? Like where where did you find like you ran into like you really want to implement this habit or you really want to like quote like be this type of person, but you struggled to really become it? I would say there was definitely a period where I was going way too hard in the fitness department. It was just relationship with body, not not good. Relationship with food, not good. Relationship with fitness, not good. Um, at that time, I was working in corporate and I was also a personal trainer, which is kind of how my content creation journey started like a really long time ago. And you know, the fitness space has changed a lot now, but back then, like your body was your business card. And so I felt like if I was going to be successful in that field, I needed to look a certain way. I needed to have a six pack. I needed to have muscles. I needed to have like no body fat. And I absolutely destroyed my health being a complete psychopath, not sleeping enough, not eating enough exercising way too much and just running my body into the ground where it got to the point where I, I couldn't do anything. Like I had to completely scale back from fitness and from doing anything physical to completely recover my body. And that was when I learned, oh, wellness is about a lot more than the physical. It's also about my mental. It's also about the rest I'm getting. You can't exercise yourself into the ground and think that's it because we're whole beings and we need a lot more than that. And you can also do a lot of harm with that too. So that was a really hard lesson. And so that was around that time when I started scaling back on the exercise and, and my body started responding in really interesting ways. I had a lot of just inflammation because I was not giving myself the rest and the nutrients that I needed. When I started scaling back, started eating in a way that my body actually 
felt satiated, I found that I felt a lot more comfortable in my skin because I was not inflamed all the time. I was not exhausted all the time. And so that was when I started gravitating towards the idea of balance and initially started creating content around balance because for me it was like, how do I take care of myself in a way that's not running myself into the ground? A lot of that had to do with the rejection of diet culture and relearning a lot of what I'd been taught about wellness. But yeah, that was that was a moment that I've not cared to to go back to. <laughs> when, I mean, yeah, I feel like there a lot of women have had that experience, whether it's like over focusing on food and um, wellness or quote wellness or like trying to look a certain way or just completely neglecting their health in a, in that way of you're doing too much to try to look a certain way or often when you're just like not sure how to take care of yourself and your body is the like first thing to go and I've been in both situations and neither are comfortable but like relearning how to how to take care of yourself I find it like that that is kind of the hardest part of self-care. Like we like to think of self-care and I am guilty of like pushing this too as like your robe in a bathtub. Like that's very much like for me sometimes what it looks like when I'm trying to numb out. But also it does look like those hard journeys of like I maybe need to like research nutrition. I maybe need to reject this concept that I need to like have a six pack in order to be valuable. Oh, Absolutely. And I think something else that trips us up is that oftentimes with wellness, what works for a while doesn't work forever. And we tend to go back to like, well, when I did this type of workout, I got these results. Or when I, you know, did this practice, I got these results. Okay, but that was five years ago. And who you are now and what your mind and body need now are totally different. But we see getting different results as like a personal failure when really it just it's a sign that you need something different you need to try something new you need a different routine and that is a a tough one for a lot of people and i mean finding a new routine and implementing it is so scary and annoying sometimes so what's the most recent thing you've implemented into yours i would say going back to the gym i had gone through a period even though movement is really important to me after i ended my career in fitness i i had a really negative relationship with the gym, fitness culture, all of it. I had just completely rejected it. And for the past several years, the most I had done was like regular walks and yoga. And I got to a point where I really missed feeling strong. And I was like, dang, I, I kind of I kind of think it's time to go back to the gym now that I'm feeling I'm not feeling triggered by it. Cause also I I had I would try to go back and then I would feel, you know, very triggered by what my 24-year-old self had had gone through and put myself through there. But recently, I started going back, started implementing it back into my routine, and it did throw things off a little bit. I kind of forgot. I got very comfortable in like the work-from-home life and in the wake-up and have like a 30-foot commute from my bed to my desk and <laughs> how easy that made my routine. And I was like, oh, but if I get up and if I leave the house to like go to the gym and need to get ready and do all these things, that's a different vibe. I, I, I was really good at that a decade ago. But now that I'm used to this work from home life and being just cozy all the time, it's a little uncomfortable. So I had to really go back to the drawing board and just switch around the order of things, play around with my routine. I'm still playing around with it, but it's gotten a lot better. I love that because it's like, that's also um, was one of my big things over this past year was reintroducing fitness into my life after 
um, my own like disordered eating, disordered fitness like journey of college and having that on top of like work um, and content, which you also have both of, is is definitely you can start to like put it on the back burner or it just feels more frustrating to like, oh, why do I have to do this? And I've had to – I realize like at the root of every habit I'm trying to implement is like an identity crisis in a lot of ways where it's like I say I want to be this healthy person and take care of my mind and like focus on self-care and sometimes that means like I don't get to do an extra hour of scrolling on TikTok in the evening because I'm going down to the apartment gym to do some weights even though I do not want to, you know? And those like that feeling of like balancing the idea of like I'm doing this because it will help me long term and like I also don't want to do it right now is like a it's like an evolving so annoying. Do you have any tips for that like as um you've implemented new habits? I do. I know it is such an annoying thing, but I love what you said just now about like, I want to be this healthy person, so I'm going to act as this healthy person. I think that is totally the key. We sometimes think, okay, well, when I feel like it, then I'll do the thing. Or when I get the energy, then I'll do the thing. But we have to create it, especially when it comes to energy. I think that that's the biggest thing. We often feel very tired. Totally understandable. The last two years have been very tiring. But energy does not come to us. We have to generate it. And so what I like to do when I find myself slipping back into those habits that are maybe not as good is I like to think, okay, what is an act of kindness for my future self? When I think about tomorrow, how I'm going to feel, what is going to be kind to myself when my alarm goes off? If I scroll TikTok for an extra hour and go to bed an hour later tonight, that's not an act of kindness for myself when that alarm goes off at 5 a.m. But if I go to bed now at a decent hour when I am genuinely feeling tired and know I'm going to get good rest, that's an act of kindness for myself tomorrow, right? When I focus on the task that I'm working on, and don't let myself get distracted by my phone. That's an act of kindness to myself tomorrow when I don't have to then have an extra thing added to my plate that's going to make me feel overwhelmed. So thinking about, okay, what is an act of kindness to your future self? And not even to yourself five years from now, but your future self tomorrow, the next day, next week. That, that helps me a lot beat procrastination because I would say that's my bad habit. And so I'm like, okay, if I'm putting this task off so that myself tomorrow or next week has to do that, and then tomorrow when next week comes and I'm overwhelmed, I did this to myself. <laughs> that's not an act of kindness. A hundred percent. And I love that. And I think it's something that you constantly need to remind yourself of. And that's not a problem. I always felt like if I heard a new habit or I wanted to implement it into my life and I didn't like do it immediately that I was like broken, that I could like never do it. I have a little like smart home reminder. I'm not saying the name because it will go off at like 8.30 or 8.45 every night that just says, what can I do for my tomorrow self? And I implemented it because I was like, go, I would do this like where I would do my evening routine and then I would eat dinner and then I wouldn't want to do the dishes that night. And then I would just go to sleep and sometimes like not put my retainer in or like do all that. And so this reminder, it's so annoying sometimes where I'm at, it's like 8.45, I'm falling asleep on the couch and all I want to do is like go to bed. And it's like, what can I do for my tomorrow self? Like I know when the dishes are done in the morning and I can just go straight on my walk, like it's going to feel really good. So having reminders like that, especially if you're someone who like struggles to implement those things or remind them and like, you know, internalize them. 
I feel like that is a, a great way to like beat procrastination and like create your own balance. Oh, absolutely. That is a beautiful reminder. I'm going to borrow that idea. <laughs> Please do. 100%. So I'm curious for you. I would love to know your routines and rituals. We could get into like a morning and an evening one, but I'd also like to know like when you are thinking about the big picture of your life and what you want for maybe like the podcast or something like that, how do you sit down and start to create that like vision for yourself and like what are the steps and the rituals for that? Because I'm always curious for people Winter and fall are like a time for brainstorming and thinking and goal setting. And so how do you approach that type of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I love this question. So I would say I, when it comes to content creation specifically, I have routines and systems and rituals around that the same way I do around my morning routine, where it's like my morning routine, I do the same, wake up, brush my teeth, meditate, immediately put on workout clothes, immediately exercise. Like it's like clockwork because I've gotten that process down. With content creation, it is a very, very similar thing. So the way my podcast runs is like a very well-oiled machine. You probably, now that you've been a guest, you've seen like a little bit of kind of how my system kind of works where it's like, it's a domino But I really start with looking at, okay, what are all of the things that I'm doing? Are the things that I'm doing aligning with where I ultimately want to go? And how can I remove myself from some of these processes to free myself up for whatever that vision is, wherever I want to go? Recently, I was thinking about where I do want to take this. And I was thinking more about the products that I want to offer and the businesses that I want to build. And I was like, okay, looking at the time that I have now, am I going to have the mental capacity to lead this business if I'm still running both of the Instagrams and if I'm still writing all of the show notes and doing all of these things? And I was like, no, I'm not. So why don't I pick out these things that I can (laughs) eliminate from my plate to free myself up for this like not even future vision version of myself? Like I want to be that person now. So what can I do now to free myself up to be that person. So I wouldn't say that I'm somebody who necessarily sits down and like at the beginning of the year or at the beginning of the month has these set goals. I feel like I'm constantly getting pings of inspiration and intuition hits kind of guiding me for where I want to go. And I'm like, okay, what can I do right now to start being that person? What can I do right now that's going to position me to receive that thing I'm trying to receive? So it's almost a continuous process when it comes to my goals and acting on them. That is so helpful. And I like that you – it sort of goes back to what you said in the beginning of like you're a curious person where that curiosity like leads you to how can I align myself with this like future version as opposed to like, oh my god, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. Um, And I think creating like a framework for, for reviewing what's going on and how to approach it from a place of like self-development as opposed to a place of like self-hatred. I think I need to – I definitely need to get better at that. I feel like when I look at like things going wrong, I just feel a sense of overwhelm. But it's like a project and it's like an exciting moment to like learn how you can evolve. Oh, yeah. And I think it's exciting that we can – acquire new skills. I mean, earlier in my content creation and entrepreneurship journey, I, very similar to what you just described, I would totally beat myself up for maybe not doing better or knowing certain things. And then I had to realize like, wait a minute, 
nobody is born knowing this. <laughs> you learn from experience, you acquire the skills. So what can I do to better position myself for the skills that I want to acquire? Uh, and when I reframed it that way, I became a lot more forgiving of the mistakes that I made or of the times that I would be overwhelmed. I'd be like, okay, this is, this is a problem. How can I fix it? Or this is a skill gap I'm noticing. Is this a skill I need to build or do I need to ask someone for help or outsource this? And so when we start seeing not ourselves as the problem, but these things as problems that we can find solutions to, I think it helps us create a lot more kindness. I love that. And I think that's like, it's really with anything in life. Like if you find that you've like made a mistake, it's important to remind yourself, like I wasn't born knowing, like I have to give myself space here in order to evolve. And I feel like I needed to hear that today. So look at you. So I have a question for you on your evening routines. You just walked us through your morning. So I would love to know when it's time for you to relax and reset, what does that look like for you and what inspo can you give us? I mean, I reach a point in the day where my brain turns off. And usually for me, that's probably around 7, 7.30 p.m. where it productive things in the sense of output are not happening. It's not. I'm not going to get any meaningful work done. I'm not going to have any fresh ideas. I'm not going to create any good content. I I have gotten so familiar with myself that I can feel when I hit that wall. And when I hit that wall, I'm like, all right, it's time to pivot and we're going to start doing other things. Usually that's when I'll start getting ready for bed. I find that if I leave getting ready for bed till right before I'm supposed to go to bed, it mm, it's then hit or miss. So I like to take kind of an early shower. I like to get in the pajamas early. And then I will give myself like free reign for a specific amount of time. If I do want to scroll TikTok or watch like a dumb show and just turn my brain off, I will give myself free time to do that with restrictions. So by the time it's like 9 p.m., unless, you know, I have something different going on with my schedule or I'm going rogue a little bit, like, okay, time to do that is over. And again, what's that next act of kindness to myself? So I've given my brain a break. The next act of kindness to myself is to maybe grab a book and start going to bed and start winding down that way. I like that living in like the what's the next act of kindness like mindset. I think all of us, like maybe it's – I'm going to challenge everyone listening to this for the month of October to like make that your screensaver, make that your like something to just remind yourself like – what you can do next. And I want to say, like, I feel this is like a personal struggle and something I just thought of is like, personally, I'm the same way with my routines and rituals, where it's very much like I'm doing me. But I think uh, something people struggle with is taking these rituals and implementing them when they're so used to showing up for other people. And they're so used to just like, oh, your friend called and wanted to go to dinner. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like it, you're going to say yes, because that's just what you do. I've never dealt with that, like feeling like your self-care was like too selfish and that it was like, and that your relationships were out of balance. And how did that, how did you like you know, remedy that situation to create that for yourself? Good question. I mean, I do think that there were definitely points in my life where I was a little bit more at the whim of kind of whatever invitations came my way. And I think in, in some sense, um, when I moved to LA, had to kind of start over in a new city. That was when I did start over with a lot of my routines because it was like, okay, well, I don't have any friends here. So it is all me all the time. 
Now that I have started building relationships again, I've definitely felt that where I feel like, oh, I'm invited to do something. I must say yes, even though that's probably not what I need right now. And I've learned to get really comfortable in asking for what I need. And so I've definitely had that scenario that you just described come up recently where I've had to be like, you know what, actually, I'm not going to be able to make it this time, but I would love to see you. Can we set up time for next week? Or hey, I actually am exhausted and need to recharge from my crazy week, but how does happy hour Tuesday sound or whatever, where position it as to not an on-demand friend or resource to the people in your life, <laughs> but you're still prioritizing them and you still want to see them. So how can we find a mutually beneficial time to connect? Absolutely. And I, I think knowing that's okay for people is a huge step in the right direction because I think like the pandemic changed things. We weren't at the whim of pe other people, you know, and then we came back to it. And I feel like I'm at the whim of like work all the time. It's like we have an event, we have another happy hour, we have this, whatever. And so with my boyfriend, it's like, can I come over tonight? Sometimes you just have to say no. And once you do it the first few times, I think it, it comes a lot more easily. And I think when people – if people care about you and care about your well-being, they're going to want you to feel well, you know, and, and they're not going to want you to feel depleted. It's being really honest and communicating with how you're feeling and, and the right people will understand. Love that. Okay, more on balance. Questions for you on balancing work and content. So you have systems that seem to work really well for content, but like having a full-time job and balancing the relationships and the energy that you give to that versus content, what were some of the things you had to overcome in order to get to where you are now with being able to balance those two things at once. I think that was a really big challenge for me. I mean, I work in marketing, specifically in content marketing. So there was a really long time where it was like, if I wasn't working on my own content and I was at work working on works content, and I just was like, no one's brain is designed to be creating and this knees deep in content all of the time. And so that was where a lot of my systems for creating content had to come from because I was like, I physically just can't, I only have so many ideas. I only have so many things that I can just pull out of thin air. It start kind of shifting my career a little bit going from IC where I was the one creating content, moving into management so that I could support other creators. And that was like, you know, obviously a career development thing, but also just a mental capacity thing where I found managing people who were doing the creating was a much better fit for where I was at than doing the creating myself. And so I started really positioning myself at work to start, you know, doing that type of work and it ended up um, working out. And so I think like not being afraid to make changes in your career if you find that it's just it's what you're doing isn't working. And I also think to that point, kind of the flip side of what was nice about working in a space that's similar to what I do outside of work is I was also able to take what I learned at work and apply it to my content. So that also took a lot less brain power that I was using for creating content because now I'm like, well, now I know how to use this tool or now I know SEO or now I know what's trending right now. So I'm just going to apply this directly to what I'm doing and it's going to conserve some of my <laughs> brain energy. I'm I'm creating. But I think just my biggest thing is around creating a schedule. So I have a, a work block on my calendar every morning, usually from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., where I work specifically on balanced black girl stuff. 
I will set out very specific tasks that I do each day so that I can focus solely on that and then not worry about the rest so that no matter what happens at work that day, no matter what happens after work, I know that I got done those essential things without wearing myself out. And then that also makes my evenings a lot more free because then I can veg out and be on TikTok or lay on the couch and not feel guilty about it thousand percent I think our routines are kind of similar in that so like our jobs like working I work in content and I'm at the stage right now where I'm coming out of year of just being so overwhelmed with knowing too much knowing too many creators and like really honing in on what's my contribution like what's my like unique point of view before I think I was just trying to do whatever got views like a lot of it was still like from the heart, but it wasn't like me and what I really like. And I love systems. I love like, it's like what we're talking about here, the self-care and rituals of stuff. So picking that up has been like a transition. And I think as anyone knows, if you have something that you do outside of work, it takes iterations. Like you're not going to be perfect at it the first time you try. Yeah. It's, it's going to take years. And A big thing too, if you have a job and also have a side hustle, something that can really help with the overwhelm of it all is trying to reduce as much decision fatigue as possible. I found that in a day, I was making so many decisions and part of what made me feel overwhelmed was it was just constant decisions all the time, decisions for my podcast, decisions at work, decisions in my life. So I've taken a lot of really small things in my life that seem really stupid and I have like reduced the making of it. So like on weekdays, I have a very small amount of my wardrobe that I actually wear so that I'm not like looking at my closet overwhelmed about what to wear. Or like I love having painted nails and I 99% of the time have this color on that I paint on every week so that I'm not even thinking about what am I going to do with my nails? When am I going to get them? Like, no, it is the same thing every week so that I'm reducing the decisions that I make. It's one less thing to worry about. It's like small ways that you can reduce those decisions and save your brain space go so far in helping you feel more balanced. Million percent. And I even do this, like even if you're someone who get like, I I always lay my clothes out the night before. I always like make the to-do list for the next day, the night before. Because on the days I don't, like my whole life feels like it's in shambles, you know? And so I also think that's like goes along with finding your personal style or finding the routines that work for you. And sometimes that takes a minute, but I like, I love that advice by all means. And I also want to get into what like resources and systems you use to create like the systems, like for content creation specifically, it's like, um, where did you find that information when you went looking for it, how to make my life easier with content, how to develop this, and what resources can you offer people who might be in the same boat? I mean, I think honestly, the first or probably one of the best resources you can go to is is your current routine and what isn't working with it. So I would say where my systems are probably the most ironed out is the podcast. And I had experience with podcasting I was probably about a year into podcasting before I figured out a system that worked well for me. And over time, that's changed even more. Looked at for podcasting, what was overwhelming me? What about this process is like driving me crazy? So for me, it was communication with the guests and just the back and forth, figuring out when to record. Did this person send me their headshot? Do they have a reminder? Do they have the link? And so I ended up just completely automating that 
process so that when somebody is a guest on my show and they book, I get their headshot right away. I get their social handles right away. I get their bio right away. They have to give me that information before they can even book an appointment. They book it automatically so that we're not going back and forth about when to record. All of the information they need is automatically sent to them. And that really came from me going back and forth with people and hunting down their headshots and sending them links and realizing, oh, this doesn't work. So how can I solve this problem for what's not working? So that I think it's sometimes we can want to rely a little bit too much on what other people do, but you have to look at what isn't working for you because you can implement someone else's system, but if that doesn't solve your problem, you're not going to stick with it. And I've done that a thousand times where I've used so many templates and things that other people use, but that's not how my brain works and that's not what I needed. So I think it starts with identifying what your problem is and then you can look to other people and templates and examples for inspiration, but customize it for what's going to work for you. I feel like that is such a good reminder for people simply because a lot of us – and I think when you're young and trying to figure out what your life is going to look like, it makes sense that you're going to be looking for other people's concepts. But comparing yourself to that is just a a recipe for disaster because everything you need to do is – you do need to customize everything for yourself. Otherwise, your life isn't yours anymore and it's like not going to be effective. And with the podcast, like, I think it's good to look at other people's routines because until I had booked with you as a guest, I didn't realize it could be that easy. Like I thought I had to be, even though it wasn't conscious, I'm like, oh, this has to be hard. But I was like, oh, this is easier. So therefore, like I can implement this too and it doesn't have to be hard, you know? Have I done it yet? No. It's called ADHD. But I absolutely will because it's like, uh, it, it was just realize you realize your life doesn't have to be too difficult. But I really love that advice of looking at what's working and what's not and doing like an audit. So like, do you feel like those just come to you in bursts of inspiration and frustration? Or do you ever like take time to sit down and be like, what's working in my life and what's not? Both. I mean, I think I am naturally actually a pretty lazy person. Leo, Taurus, like two pretty kind of lazy signs. I'll be honest. Those are two signs that love to lounge and luxuriate. And so I think that is hyper present in my personality. So from a young age, I've always been on the lookout of like, this is hard. How can I make it easier? My brain is like hardwired to want things to be easier. And I'm always looking for ways to like simplify things. So I think part of it is like in my personality to always be on the lookout. If something feels inefficient or feels tedious or feels unnecessarily hard, I'm always like, how do we make this easier? I'm that person at work that's always like, we can automate this in like two steps and don't talk to me. (laughs) But I do also like to build in time to review things. And so a lot of where that comes in for me during the podcast is because I do publish things in series. I tend to work on it in series. So each time I'm working on a new series, I'm tweaking a little bit. Okay, what worked last time? What didn't? How can I make improvements to continuously make this better? Or if I got feedback from somebody or if somebody was confused about something in the process that they were sent, okay, that is an opportunity for me to make it that much more clear and easy for everybody who's involved in the process. I love that. I think that's And it's like constant evolving. It's just like the theme of this, honestly, I feel like. It's like you always are going back to the tweaking and figuring it out. Inspiring to see it from you because I feel the same way. Like recently like showed people my like Google calendar on TikTok 
and someone had commented and was like, this looks miserable. And I was like, it's not miserable for me because like I enjoy like creating these systems. Um, and I also am very productive so that I can be lazy. Like I don't sit, I'm not trying to produce for the sake of producing like these days. Like I'm trying to produce so that I can have a, whatever they call it, a soft life or whatever the girls want to call it these days. I'm doing it so I can chill. Yeah. So I feel, I feel very like aligned with that message too. So I'm also curious because I love a tangible takeaway on all of the shows. What are some books or podcasts or even just Instagram accounts, like maybe three that you feel like have like changed your view either on balance or on just like life and creating your own rituals and creating your own vision for your life. The first one that comes to mind, and I know everyone is probably sick of it because we've all read it and we all talk about it, but it's Atomic Habits. I mean, that book, listen, James Clear is just that girl. Like he is. I don't, we, at this point, what, what can we do? Like he is the blueprint. And I think anyone who is looking to kind of streamline their life a bit, like that book is such a great place to start because it just, even if you don't follow it step by step, the understanding habit stacking and the habit loop and just learning how to approach life that way will just open up your eyes to a whole lot. So it's super helpful. See, what else? I mean, we're both to reread it annually, you know, like each year I will like reread it and and take things from it each time because it just... And each time you reread it, you'll be coming from a different perspective. How you feel this year is going to be how different than than next year, and you'll notice different things because you're in a different space. And so it's, you know, it's it's one of those things. I know we're all sick of hearing about that book, but it's it's just true. James James did what needed to be done. Trying <laughs> to think, I mean, I feel like I listen to so many different like random podcasts, and I listen to podcasts that tend to be very different from the content that I create, just because I like hearing different perspectives. I mean, I know we're both holisticism girlies, and so The Twelfth House is a great resource for anybody who kind of thinks outside of the box and wants to learn a different way of doing things. Not a they're not a podcast, but one of my favorite like creators to follow, who I think has really inspired me to be a bit more systems minded. Her name is Jules Acre. It's based out of Austin. She used to her blog used to be called Omen the City, but now she just goes by her name. She's super sweet. She is just it's been really cool to see her brand evolve from being kind of a, a wellness influencer to being someone who focuses a lot on business and and systems. And um, my brain like works very differently than hers, but seeing the way that she approaches things and has been such a successful entrepreneur and and she does kind of give you like a peek behind the curtain and she has lots of notion templates and stuff. I think she's someone who I also really look to for a lot of inspiration when it comes to that sort of thing. Another book too that I would recommend for anybody who is um, maybe has a business or a side hustle and is starting to make money would be Profit First is a great book for just how to manage your business finances because I I started making money from content years ago, and honestly, I would just make money and just not touch it. I wouldn't pay myself. I wouldn't spend it. I was just scared. I just didn't understand how any of it worked, and the idea of like messing with it, <laughs> doing anything with it seemed really scary. So I, I read that book year and started working with an accountant as well. And so the combination of those two things also really helped streamline and simplify like business finances because 
the thing about business that people don't talk about, like we love the idea of like soft life business entrepreneurship, but when you have a business, you have a whole second set of bills. You have a whole second set of bank. You have a whole – all that adulting stuff that we all complain about in our personal life. I get it. No one complains more than me. When you have a business, you have a whole other set of all those same things for the business. <laughs> and so that managing that can get really, really messy. And I was scared of making it messy, so I just left it and just and was like, I don't know. Profit First was a really great book for figuring out how you can – Manage your business finances in a way that runs a healthy business, but that also supports you as the business owner. So I finally was able to start paying myself and moving things around and doing things in a way that made sense. So that's another great book. Love that, especially because something we don't talk about a lot with like self-care and balance is the financial side of like if you don't feel safe financially, which is a feeling I am very familiar with, it's hard to want to take care of yourself or to feel like you have the resources to do so. And so um, even if you're not like a business person, like you just did a whole like series on financial wellness. So if you all need help with finances, go listen to that. But like I think that it's just so freeing when you feel like a sense of calm about your finances. And the business side of things has been so difficult. If I didn't have like if my boyfriend was not like a finance like person I, and I still just get anxious about it all the time, like I am 1000% picking that book up. Yes. It, it's, it's a great book. And I think like learning how to ritualize my finances has also been better where it's like each week when I go through what I spent, I'm lighting a candle, I'm pouring a glass of like wine and kombucha and I'm making a vibe out of it. Because that makes it less intimidating. It's like any other thing. Try and make it as relaxing as doing your skincare routine. Like set the same vibe because it is just as, if not more, important. I'm obsessed with that. Making it as comfortable as doing your skincare yeah. routine. Yeah, that's what I think a lot of us need to do. It's so scary though, but thank you for that. Okay, we're getting to the end of this. As usual, I'm inspired and had a fabulous time. I love to end my episodes with the same question. I think I asked you it last time too, so I'm curious if your answer will stay the same. To end the episode with, finish this sentence with something that you want young or just other people to know. You are too smart for. You are too smart for doubting yourself and doubting your ability to evolve. Love that so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can everyone find you and chat with you and listen to your incredible content? Thank you for having me. It was so fun to get to do this again, for inviting me back. You can find me pretty much everywhere. So I also have a podcast, Balanced Black Girl. We have new episodes come out every Tuesday talking about wellness and productivity and rituals and routines and spaciousness and all of the things. I'm really excited because I'm doing a second uh, Reframing the Reset Part 2 year. So I will have another Reframing the Reset if you like that type of jam. I'm working on that series now, so it'll be great. Um, and then I'm on socials at Balanced Less. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. Be there. Thank you so much, and we will chat soon. 
Thank you so much for listening to Too Smart for This. I am so grateful that you took the time out of your day to take a listen to these conversations. If you're looking for more content, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Two Collective. And don't forget to follow me, your host, Alexis Barber, on the Gram TikTok as well. Don't forget you can also watch our solo episodes on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Alexis Barber. And we do a weekly giveaway of PR products or Amazon gift cards to girls who leave great reviews down below. So please make sure to leave your reviews and follow us on Instagram to be notified in case you win. And with that, do not forget that you are too smart to not love yourself and see you in the next episode.